Thanks for joining us today as you listen to a portion of a message recorded at Vine Life Church in Boulder, Colorado. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can visit us online at www.vinelife.com. That we get to be together. That's why he says, don't forsake the assembling of yourself together, you know, to be together. Um. So how difficult has this week been? Huh. It's just a question. I just uh... um, how many would say maybe this has been an extra difficult week? Oh, a number of you. Uh, yeah, I, I raised my hand too been one of those weeks. What I'd like to talk about today is what we've been, what the worship team has released to us about the love of the Father, the love of God. When we have a difficult week, a number of you raised your hand and I joined you saying it has been difficult. Those, that's the time that um, there's a voice sitting on our shoulder, whispering in our ear. And the voice is saying something along the line of, God doesn't love you. I remember thinking, as I was reading, where Peter had denied Jesus, remember, three times? And... The resurrected Christ came to Peter and said to him, he had a question for him. Three times he asked him a question. Do you remember what that question was? Do you love me? So Peter, having denied Jesus three times, he comes back to Peter and he says to him, do you love me three times? And I, going through a particularly difficult time reading that passage, And this was what I thought. You don't mind if I just tell you, being honest about my thoughts sometimes. Is that all right? I said, Lord, the question here is Jesus asking if Peter loved him. And if, if I were to have you face-to-face in this moment, and you were to ask me the question, Walt, do you love me? I think I would look back to you and say, I don't think that's the question. I think the real question is, Jesus, do you love me? You've never felt that way, have you? Have you ever felt that way where, does he love me? He's asking me to love him, but does he love me? I mean, I'm just being real about how I felt. Now, what can bring you to that place where you will, you will say, I'm not sure God loves me. I feel like he's lost my address. I feel like he's abandoned me. 
I can read these scriptures and, you know, all that. But that doesn't help me right now because right now I'm just feeling like he's someplace I can't access, I can't find. Anybody been there? The, the Apostle Paul knew that that was going to be a struggle for us. He knew we were going to have that problem. That we were going to come to those places in our difficulty and in our struggle that we will ask that question, God, do you love me? And so that's why he wrote in Romans chapter 8, and I'm just going to read 35 to 39. And he's addressing that very issue of that question, God, do you love me? And he writes it, and I'm going to use the New Living Translation this time today. He says, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? And and see, that's our question. Can I be separated from his love? Because right now it feels like I, I can be. And of course, the implied answer to that question, can anything separate me from the love of Christ, is no. That's the implied answer. But he goes on to say, like this, explain it. Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity? Ah. So we see that trouble or calamity can be an issue that in our struggle to feel his love, trouble or calamity can get in the way. And we can, we can see the trouble and the calamity and the difficulty, but it, you know, it, we see it so well we don't see him. It's bigger than he is. Because it's... We're dealing with it right here. He said, Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or are hungry or cold? Now, in this culture, we're blessed in that we don't deal with that too much. Some people do, but for the most of us in this room, we probably don't. When I go to Africa, I encounter people all the time who deal with hunger or cold. It's a very real thing for many people in the world. So what he's writing here, uh, many people in the world could identify with, with that, even though we might not so much on hungry or cold. And he goes on to say, or in danger or threatened with death. And then he says, even scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. Now, when I first read that some years ago, I thought, what in the world is he saying? We like, we're like sheep to be killed all day. He, right in the middle of God's love, trying to tell me how much God loves me, he's saying, he's saying well, just you're, you're like sheep to be slaughtered all day. What he's saying is, our life is not our own. <clears throat> we have died with Christ. And we're, we live in the Spirit with him in resurrection. We've come into new life. But he's, he's saying, 
Don't expect to go through life without the trouble and the calamity and the difficulty because those things, those things are a part of life. Just, just know it's part of life. You're going to experience death all the time because your life is not your own. It belongs to Christ. And your life, your life is in, hidden with Christ in God, he says in another place. So don't let this idea that difficulties and problems that bring this sense and feeling of death, don't let that separate you in your awareness of God's love for you. So he answers that question. You know, what can separate us? He says, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Victory means he's putting us above and beyond the reach of that which would try to destroy us. Above and beyond the reach of that which would tell us that we're not loved, that God doesn't care for us. Above and beyond the reach of the lies of the enemy. He gives us this sense of overcoming, living from his strength and his grace in the midst of the troubles and the calamity and the difficulties. He's saying, despite the circumstances in Christ, in Christ, you can live above those things as Christ has had victory and overcome those things, even death itself. And so that's the promise, that's the hope. That we can live with calamity and difficulties and troubles coming at us, we can live above it. Non-circumstantial peace and joy and love. That's what he's telling us that could be ours, that it belongs to us. That's our inheritance. And then he goes on to say, and I am convinced that nothing, would you help me with that? Say nothing. No thing, nothing can ever separate us from his love. Death can't and life can't. Life, what does it mean life? (laughs) The stuff of life that we live in. The troubles, the difficulties, the things He's talking about your everyday walking around life. He's saying the things that you encounter and you struggle with can't overcome this love of God that he has for you. He says angels can't and demons can't, and we all know they try. Where do you think some of these thoughts originate that you have? About that make you hopeless and fearful and anxious, even angry and bitter. Where do you think that stuff comes from? It's not from God. Demonic powers are releasing stuff into into your thoughts in those moments. And you and, and we need to recognize the source of that stuff. And if you keep it very long, you will be depressed. I guarantee you. I remember Bill Johnson saying he was 15 minutes away from depression. And I thought, you too? I know what you're talking about. You entertain those thoughts 
that come after you. God doesn't love you. You're on your own. He's not going to help you. You're going down. You live with those things very long and agree with them very long, and they will actually become a stronghold, and you will be depressed. People will ask you, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. And inside you're thinking, boy, if they only knew. I am not doing well. I'm on the edge here. That's where those thoughts come. Demons can't, he says. Our fears for tomorrow, I'm sorry, I read it wrong. Our fears for today and our worries about tomorrow. Our fears for today and our worries about tomorrow and even the powers of hell can't keep God's love away. Whether we are high above in the sky or in the deepest ocean, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. What is that love that's revealed? (laughs) He loved us so much, he came into this world in bodily form with the very purpose to tell us about the Father's love. To let us know that despite the circumstances, the difficulties, the struggles, and the trials of life, the message is, the good news is, you have a Father in heaven who loves you. And he sent his own son to die for you so that your sins are forgiven. And as you are with him and identify with him in resurrection, your innocence is established before God. And you can stand holy and blameless and accepted before him because all your wrongdoing has been wiped out. That's the kind of love that the Father has for you, that he sent his son to do that for you. Now, now the reason this is, I think, a challenge for us to understand this is, is we have been raised in an environment that is conditional. Love is conditional. You're loved if you perform well, but the moment you fail in your performance, you're not going to be loved. I heard it recently said that 25% of the people will never like you no matter how much you try to win them over, no matter how good you treat them, no matter how much you give them, No matter what you do, how kind you are, whatever, 25% of the people will never like you. So you might as well just accept that and give up on some people. 25% of the people don't like you, but can be persuaded to like you. 25% of the people do like you, but can be persuaded to change their mind and not like you. Just say something or do something to give them an opportunity to judge you and condemn you and separate themselves from you. Because that's what judgment is for in our thinking. It's the rationale why we cannot love somebody. And then there's 25% of people that will love you no matter what. Some of those are dogs. (laughs) 
True? In 1 John 4:19 it says let us love because God loved us first. First love. He is first love, but we live in a world of second love. The people around us that we work with in our families, even our spouses, all that we know when we grow up is second love. Sometimes, sometimes first love breaks through into our hearts through other people. That's called heaven coming to earth. That's what that is. But it doesn't always happen because second love is a broken reflection of first love. So, second love, in second love, The problem is you can become doubtful, frustrated, angry, and resentful with second love, love from other people. Because affirmation, affection, sympathy, encouragement, and support is limited. It's limited. Unless they're operating in first love, unless they're filled with the Spirit of God and the glory of God is coming through, now, we're created in the image of God, and it, can come, it will come through. But it, the point I'm making is it doesn't always come through. And when it doesn't come through, that's what makes us angry and resentful and bitter. And we get bitter because love is conditional from people. And the problem is we're expecting something from them. They can't always deliver. Only the Father can deliver that. And sometimes, I've even thought that He designed it that way so that I would not try to draw my acceptance from people, and my approval from people. He designed it so that I, so I'd never be satisfied with second love, but I would only be satisfied as I turned to Him for first love. So he, it's part of his design. So you have been hurt and bitter against some people who could not deliver what you expected them to deliver. Because you expected them to deliver first love. They can't deliver first love. Only the Father can deliver it. They can only deliver second love. I've been married 44 years to a wonderful woman. And she tells me all the time how much she loves me. I'm just, I'm a lucky man. I mean, she comes behind me and rubs my shoulders. And she, I'm sitting in my rocking chair. That's usually where you'll find me, in my rocking chair. And uh, she'll come up behind me and give me a kiss. I'm being treated so well. I'm telling you, you, it's really nice. As good as it is, (laughs) one of our marriage uh, seminar jokes was, We've had an ideal marriage, despite the several shooting incidents. (laughs) The point I'm making here is, 44 years, 
As good as that is, as good as that is, it is not good enough to satisfy the longing in my heart for unconditional first love. Because that only comes from above. When I shared this first service, I realized I had a word for, for those of you who are single and you're struggling because you're not married. Now, if God provides a marriage partner, that is a gift to you from God, for sure. But I want to tell you, someone who has been married 44 years and have taught and counseled, I don't know how many married couples over these years, that, that what you're hoping to get, I'm speaking to you as a single person, and really is, helps you, maybe if you're, even if you're married, you haven't got this figured out, that if you're thinking that marriage is going to satisfy that longing in your heart and that emptiness, if you're thinking it's going to come from them, your thinking is incorrect. Because th- that marriage, getting married, is not going to be the fulfillment of every desire of your heart. It won't come from your marriage partner. And some people uh, get angry and get divorced because they're expecting something from their spouse that their spouse cannot deliver. That's why you have to, you have to forgive second love. Because second love is going to bring you to that place. I mean, second love is capable of rejection, withdrawal, punishment, blackmail, Violence and even hatred. And we're surprised when it happens. Why would we be surprised? It's because it's not first love. First love comes from the Father. And the, what, Paul, the, what Paul is trying to make here, the point he's trying to make is this is that you're loved, there's no reason to be afraid. Because you're loved by the Father in heaven, there's no reason to go through life afraid. Afraid of the troubles, the calamity, the difficulty, the fears, the struggle, the rejection, all of that stuff, there's no reason to live in fear. Because... First love will be with you. First love has already been demonstrated to you in the sacrifice of Christ coming to this world. And now you're called his very own children. The Father loves you, and you're his very own children. And his inheritance through Christ, in Christ, I'm accepted. In Christ, you are accepted. In Christ, you are unconditionally loved, regardless of your performance and your failures, because Christ paid for it all. So in Christ, you have peace. In Christ, you have joy. In Christ, you have righteousness. In Christ, you have acceptance before the Father. You're embraced by the Father, regardless of your performance or what you do. That's first love. You can't, you can't mess it up.
He's just going to be there loving you, no matter how ugly you get. (laughs) Or how unloved you might feel. The truth is, He loves you. That passage in in Romans inspired the song that the worship team has prepared to lead us in, that I would like to just release over us. Your love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on me. Your love never fails. That's first love. So, I want to do something just before they release that. I'm feeling prompted to, to do something here. For us to receive first love, we need to forgive those who have disappointed us in second love. Because what happens is, is that the disappointment that we've experienced in relationships in second love can, can be such a focus and we're so trapped by it that we can't really be free to receive the first love. Our, our unforgiveness or our bitterness or our hurt our woundedness of what people have done to us, the things from, as he said, whether it's from the past or whether it's present, uh, that can all be wiped away. That can all be wiped away by first love. And so, would you bow your heads with me right now? And, and there's some of you, right, as I've been speaking, you realize there's someone. In, that that you have a relationship with in second love, that you have been disappointed that they didn't give you first love. Now, sometimes first love will break through, as I've said. Sometimes heaven will come to earth through that person, and that's what we're looking for and and praying for that will be released over and over. Heaven will come to earth where first love breaks through and is expressed to us through other people. But right now we're dealing with those that were disappointed that didn't express it. They, they didn't deliver first love. You got second love, and it, and it disappointed you. Can you forgive them? I, and, and most of us will have more than one person. We'll have several people. And I would encourage you to pray this way. I would encourage you to pray and say, Father, I forgive and name their name. Father, I forgive, and it might be a spouse. It might be somebody you've been married to for years. Father, I forgive. It could be a parent. Maybe they've even passed and they're no longer on this earth. But whoever it is, a parent, a relative, It could be someone in authority, a teacher, a pastor, someone that just failed you. Can you in your heart say, Father, I forgive and name their name as you're praying. Just name. Just let forgiveness flow from your heart. Forgiveness is untying them 
and releasing them. That's what you're doing right now. Where you've had, a, where you, you've tied them up with your thinking and your emotions and your feeling. You're untying them right now. You're unbinding them. You're loosing them and letting them go in your heart. You're setting them free. They don't owe you anything anymore. They don't owe you anything. What you feel like they didn't deliver, what they didn't give you, you're saying, you don't owe me anymore. I'm untying you. I'm letting you free. I'm letting you go.